You down with D and D? Yeah, you know me. You down with D and D? Yeah, you know me. You down with D and D? Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D and D? This whole party. You down with D and D? Yeah, you know me. You down with D and D? Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D and D? This whole party. Are you ready to get down some D and D? I know I am. I am joined as I am always joined by the Wadair. By the Water Davian, Wandering, Mad Wizard, Merwin. What is up, Sean? Going with the W's, huh? Yeah, I mean, Wizard's in there, so it works out, right? Wizard, Waterdeep, uh, Wandering. I like it. Mm-hmm. We, we sit here, Chris, in the calm between the storms. I mean, I guess so, right? Like, it's it's all city up in here pretty soon, right? We have... Just finished listening to the stream of many eyes, mm-hmm. where so much was announced and so many cool things happened. I mean, it's just it's it's boggling the mind, and I'm I'm very excited. I'm very excited to talk about Waterdeep. I'm, I'm very excited to talk about Dragon Heist. I'm very excited to talk about uh, the Dungeon of the Mad Mage. It's going to be great. But before we do that, uh, let's talk about a couple other things. First. Off. DM David is added again with the second part of his series. Why fourth edition seemed like the savior Dungeons and Dragons needed. So, Sean, um, you read this too, right? I did. We talked about his previous uh, article where you know he mentioned the RPG publishing death spiral and how it needed to change, and why it seemed like fourth edition might be the thing to change it. So that's why this article talks about. You know, how 4E came around and why they made it the way they did, not just in terms of game design, but in terms of looking to expand the fan base of D&D so that this death cycle that always happens with these role-playing game publishers wouldn't happen this time. And they tried to tap into the MMO player base. Um, they saw the popularity of all the MMOs especially, of course, World of Warcraft, Mm -hmm. and thought, well, if we make a game that can get that experience onto a tabletop, or better yet, make it a tabletop game, but also move it into the realm of online gaming, then we can get out of this death spiral of publishing and keep the game growing. Yes. And that was the hopes. That was the hopes and dreams of the design team and of Wizards of the Coast and probably of Hasbro as well for fourth edition. And we all know now, of course, that that did not happen. And next time DM David will look at why fourth edition failed in terms, not in terms of being a game because it was a good game and it sold relatively well in comparison to every other edition of D and D and all the other RPGs that are out there, but it didn't, act as that savior that they were hoping for and in this next article he will take a look at why yeah i'm very interested to see that because i have my own thoughts about that i also liked uh so they were they were not looking at the mmo market i mean they were sort of looking at the mmo market Um, i just want to talk about this for a second from um, a mechanical point of view like there there are some mechanics that came across a little bit from the mmo stuff to the uh the fourth edition of the game um a lot of people will say that the combat was very MMO-ish, and it was. I, I agree. The thing that a lot of people don't get is the whole skill challenge thing that existed in there was very much derived from story games. It just wasn't implemented very well. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. So um this is the thing that a lot of people overlook. It's just a poor implementation, in my opinion. But they also try to do that whole thing where, like, everybody got cool stuff every level, right? 
right? Yeah. And they tried to make a game that would translate well for online tabletop play. Mm-hmm. And that that's what, in my opinion, where they were really trying to go with the MMO model. They were looking for a subscription-based service. That's what mm-hmm. D&D Insider was. So that they right. could be, con- instead of having to constantly publish books, they were looking to get constant revenue from a monthly tool. Sure. And that, I think, is where his next article will go, where, where how that didn't work. And they still tried to do the, uh, the death cycle of publishing, where they kept printing too many books, in my opinion. Yep. So I'm looking forward to the next article. All right. Me uh, too. Number two, Origins 2018. Actually, you'll hear this episode pr- pretty soon after we recorded it, because, you know, I wanted to release it as fast as possible after the stream of Many Eyes. Yep. It's from June 13th to June 17th in Columbus, Ohio. There's going to be tons of Dungeons & Dragons, including the D&D Open, which, you know, you'll get to see previews of Waterdeep Dragon Heist. It's very exciting. Mm -hmm. There's going to be tons of seminars from the Wizard of the Coast staff and other surprises from them. Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty neat. Uh, For us, personally, we are going to be doing um, a one-hour seminar, The Business of D&D. That's actually at 1 o'clock on Thursday. It's it's in room A2. Two five in the um, convention center. So come check us out. Um, we'll have probably stickers and buttons and things like that for you folks. And I will we'll have like a the stuff that we're talking about. We'll probably have a sheet, and, and not probably we're going to have a sheet with all the resources that we're going to be talking about during our chat. So that like if you want to publish stuff and you know make things in D and D world like on the DMs Guild and such, we'll be talking about how to do that, and we'll have resources for you there. Yep, and I'm also hoping that some other freelancers and some other people who are, you know, around the main business of D&D might even be there to lend their expertise if they so choose. That would be excellent. I would love to see some of those folks. A couple other things that are going on, misdirected mark-wise. The one-shot in Campaign Tango, that's Phil and Senda from Pandas Talking Games. That is on the 16th. That is on Saturday at 10 a.m. in room A214. And then the Play Better Games Damn It panel, which is the misdirected mark uh network panel it's a two-hour extravaganza of ridiculousness there will be singing there'll be prizes we're going to play bingo i will have books to give away there'll be buttons and stickers and all kinds of good stuff it is in also room a214 in the convention center and it's at six o'clock it goes till eight yes it is two hours because we are going to be kind of ridiculous and we're also going to give you know game mastering advice and talk about stuff and answer questions but we will also be very entertaining Mm -hmm. all right let's talk about the stream of many eyes that's what you're all here for they built a street in Waterdeep and part of the Yawning Portal, Sean. It was pretty awesome from what I saw. I didn't, I was very busy that weekend. I did not get a chance to see the whole thing and I did not get a chance to go back and look at it yet. But for the, you know, I'd check in for an hour here, an hour there. From what I saw, it was pretty amazing. Not only did they build, not only was there lots of costumes and, you know, cool actors walking around and, and making uh making the the place look like a medieval city or a fantasy city like Waterdeep but they also had sets they also had props they had a big giant statue of a foot that represents the walking statues of Waterdeep that can uh walk around and protect the city if necessary so you could get your picture taken with a gigantic foot there uh just overall they they went the extra mile for sure they really did uh, you can actually catch all of that if you haven't seen it on, uh, Twitch, uh, backslash, twitch.tv backslash DND. Like, there, all the stuff is still there right now. And probably will be for a while. Um, there was tons of games that they streamed and they did this really cool thing where, um, 
there were um, games at a table, and there, there, um, I forget what it was called, the arena of conflict or the con, the contest of champ. I don't remember exactly. It's a place in Waterdeep. I'm not as super familiar with Waterdeep lore as I as I will be in probably the next you know <laughs> six months. But they uh, they had the game table there, which by the way, the game table is beautiful. I loved how they have it curved. I kind of want one because like for streaming purposes, like it'd be nice to have that kind of table because then everybody can see everybody, and yet there's a nice like shot of everybody sort of facing forward. There was the interlude games that were not necessarily at the table. They were sort of like these escapey, roomy, LARPy, um, role-playing game things. But all the games sort of connected to those games. And like, there was like this string of a story that went throughout the, the weekend, which was really neat. I've, um, I've previewed and watched a, a good chunk of, of most of the stream. I haven't had a chance to watch all like, you know, it's like hours and hours and hours, right? Like I've, I've probably seen about five of the hours of what's going, what, what has been, you know, happened through that stream. I can't wait to watch the rest of it. Um, but it was really cool. I liked how they did that. It was, it's an interesting way to set up a game and surround the, the idea and the IP of D and D and the game of D and D and how you can play it in a bunch of different ways with some modifications. Cause I've always said that D and D is kind of this modular thing these days. It's not just a particular set game. Yeah. And they really showed that off in, in spades this past weekend. For sure. Um, Sean, do you have some opinions about streaming and how some people reacted to the stream? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, everyone who is really interested in D&D loved it, and I loved it from what I saw. But there is, and probably always will be, this pushback from people who get different pleasure out of D&D, seeing you know, celebrities, seeing famous people play the game, and they have this visceral gut reaction to it that that's not D&D. Um, it's not D and D to them unless you're doing D and D exactly that way. And we just want to say in general, streaming is D and D. All of the stuff that happened during the stream of many eyes is D and D. The cosplay, the props, all of that stuff is D and D. Famous people and celebrities playing D and D is still D and D. Always has been, always will be. The, the visceral reaction that some people have to it, what I've, from what I've seen, is understandable by people who lived and played through the 70s and 80s. Because back then, D&D was not something that was popular. It was something that you would get bullied for doing. Um, so, you know, the, the big jocks or the popular kids often were the ones that were putting you down for playing and calling you names for playing and bullying you for playing. So to see it, um, being enjoyed by the people that you identify as the people that were putting you down back then is something that can be hard for, for players from that era. And so I, I get the, the gut reaction of that. But, you know, we've talked about negative capability on previous shows, being able to negate those feelings and evaluate something on a different level or from a different perspective. So if you do have those feelings, I completely understand. Um, you know, I was someone who did get bullied for my love of D and D back in the day. So. I think we need to be able to say that was then, this is now, and we should, you know, 
we should accept and we should love that many, many different people are enjoying this game, even if they are enjoying it in a different way than we do. How does that sound, Chris? I think that sounds perfect. It's very, uh, very us, very misdirected, Mark, very inclusive. And that's what we believe in here. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, less hate, more game. Let's play some games together. And it doesn't go. matter which way you play them. And that comes from like me and Sean, like we're game designers, right? Like we like rules. We like how things interact, but all the stuff that I saw this weekend, it's people playing games and having a good time. I also enjoy that. Don't mm-hmm. mind the modifications and the, the changes and whatnot. It's still all Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Even if someone doesn't know every rule and gets things wrong or DMs, you know, hand wave or skip over things, that's still D&D. Um, may, might not be the way you play, but it's still there and people are still having fun and enjoying it. And as long as the game continues to grow, I am willing to accept everyone who is willing to accept others. Yeah. Plus I love this whole, this whole merging of other kind of game ideas with the, uh, with the IP and the game itself. Right. Like, I mean, the first, I mean, probably one of the first times I ran into it personally, uh, and it's not exactly a one-to-one is, um, true dungeon. Like I've played true dungeon before that game. You don't, um, roll dice or anything like that, but you solve puzzles interactively. And when you fight monsters, you slide these little pucks down a shuffleboard style thing onto a monster's picture that has numbers all over it. So it's like rolling a D20, but it's a dexterity game. I mean, mm-hmm. it might as well, it's like, well, you could call this D and D and I'm sure not sure enough playing D and D like it still works for me. Like it was a great time. And it seemed like there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on, this meshing of different kind of game ideas, which will only make for cooler games in the future and cooler ideas in the future. Yep. And, you know, I've always been someone who had trouble watching streaming because it's just not something that that my mind enjoys. Um, I enjoy playing it. And I just I would rather be telling the story than watching the story. Mm-hmm. But I also want to experience it in different ways. So I have made more of an effort to watch streams and I have made an effort to figure out if I ever did run a stream, how would I want to do it? What sort of audience, uh, you know, would I, would I want to be going for things like that? So it's, it's a new way of thinking at the thinking of the game. And, you know, we should, we should want expansion. We should want new experiences. I agree completely, wholeheartedly. In fact, that's why I watch streams too, because I'm like, uh, if we do these sometime, because I think we will at some point in the future, then, you know, I want to make sure that we're doing the best we can. All right. Let's talk about the products that got announced, because that's exciting, right? Oh boy. The first one, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Let me read the blurb real quick from the, from the product page. A fantastic treasure trove is yours for the taking in this adventure for the world's greatest role playing game. Famed explorer, Volothamp Getaram, needs you to complete a simple quest. Thus begins a mad romp through the wards of Waterdeep as you uncover a villainous plot involving some of the city's most influential figures. A grand urban caper awaits you. Pit your skill and bravado against villains, the likes of which you have never faced before, and let the dragon hunt begin. Hey, Chris, is this combining everything that you love about RPGs pretty much? Pretty much. Also, the way that this book is laid out from everything that I've been able to gather is exactly the kind of game that I love to play and run. Because for you folks out there, it is not a linear adventure in any way, shape, or form. Apparently, it's it's very sandboxy. And, like, there are a bunch of different, like, like you pick a villain at the beginning. Apparently, there's more than one villain that you can pick. And then, like, there's, like, an initial... uh 
thing that happens. And then I guess you get a tavern that you get to manage and run. There's like a whole bunch of rules for downtime and whatnot. And it's, it's a gazetteer for Waterdeep too. Like this book, it takes your characters levels one through five. Like you can play the game. I, from what I've heard pretty quickly, like you can, you can play like, like four to six sessions and you're done with the adventure. Or if your game master wants to, dungeon master wants to, and the players want to, like you can expand this a whole bunch. And there's a whole bunch of stuff about managing like this tavern and like putting things together and meeting people and interacting. And there's not so much in the way of fighting. It's all about clever, um, clever play really is, is what they're, they're going for with this, this adventure. Uh, did I miss anything like that? That's what I heard from watching the stream. Is that, is that what you've gathered? Yeah. What, what I gathered was, Hey, this is leverage in Waterdeep. It's pretty much leverage. <laughs> well, okay. So it's sort of leverage in, in Waterdeep. a good way. In a good way. Yeah. Well, I mean, because like, uh, I was listening to Perkins and Merle's and they were like, there's a whole bunch of rules for downtime activities and how to expand this, this scenario. There's a whole chapter also that's, a, um, I guess Matt Cernet wrote it where it's, um, he basically channels, uh, Volothamp and gives a, a tour of Waterdeep in Volothamp's voice. Mm-hmm. It's like the last chapter of the book. And, you know, even more exciting was that I learned, as did everyone, that, uh, James Intracasso and James Hake, both were involved in the creation of the adventure along with, of course, Chris Perkins. So, you know, being big fans of the work that I've seen from them makes me even more excited to, to delve into this book. I know, right? Like, good on you, James. Like, both of you Jameses. I mean, they've both been on the show before. So, I mean, like, and I mean, Intercastle is a friend of ours. Like, I'm super happy that he got to work on this book. It's amazing. Yep. In other news, we're changing our name to James. Both yeah, of us. I know. It seems like a good idea, right? Like maybe, maybe we'll get some to work on a big book at some point. Probably not. Maybe not. Not me anyway. You maybe, not me. Um, I don't know. Like this is super cool to me. Like everything about this sounds great. Uh, I'm interested to see how they handle how factions work in this mm-hmm. and like how to, um, how they kind of frame the adventure. This is a different kind of style for them to, to put out a book. Uh, the, the closest thing I can think of is, um, Betrayal of Baldur's Gate, which we played together. Yes. Like, if it's anything like that, but like a bigger, thicker book version of that, then I would be pretty happy. I really loved Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. It was a great, fun romp in Baldur's Gate. It was. And, you know, like, like you mentioned earlier, if, that now that you bring that up, that's a great point. Um, I hope it is very much like that because it, you could take it in different directions. You could swap, you know, enemies and big villains in and out, um, and and still make a play exciting and fun um, with different groups. And the cool thing is, like you said, uh, the way this sounds, you could play levels one through four, one through five, pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, especially if you meet regularly with your group, if you do that and you don't want to stay in water deep and go through, you know, the different machinations of the different factions or the different enemies involved, guess what you could do starting at level five? Oh my God. Water deep dungeon of the mad mage. Holy Lord. Uh, do, do you want to read the product thing or you want me to? I would love to explore the mega dungeon of Undermountain in this adventure for the world's greatest role playing game. In the city of Waterdeep rests a tavern called the Yawning Portal, named after the gaping pit in its common room. At the bottom of this crumbling shaft is a labyrinthine dungeon shunned by all but the most daring adventurers. 
Known as Undermountain, this dungeon is the domain of the mad wizard Halister Blackcloak. Long has the mad mage dwelt in these forlorn depths, seeding his lair with monsters, traps, and mysteries. To what end is a constant source of speculation and concern? This adventure picks up where Water Deep Dragon Heist leaves off, taking characters a fifth level or higher all the way up to level 20 should they explore the entirety of Halister's home. 23 levels of Undermountain are detailed herein, along with the subterranean refuge of Skullport. Treasures and secrets abound, but tread with care. I'm going to tell you one thing. Both of these books, I'm going to buy them for Roll20, because I want all the maps that will probably come with them and whatnot. Oh, yes. And I will be running them probably on Roll20 for people at some point, so that's a thing that will happen. Holy Lord, do I want to play these games so bad. You know, and, and another thing about this... Obviously, it's awesome, and we could go on forever about how awesome it's going to be. But it was written by a variety of people. Um, I think all of the Adventures League admins got a chance to work on it. Uh, I know that uh, James Intercaso also got to work on it, and I'm sure others did as well, and I, I'm either forgetting or um, haven't heard that they worked on it yet. But what I like about that is I love these collections with with different people working on them because everyone brings their own ideas and their own strengths to to the project. So even if one level doesn't quite you know tickle your fancy, there's always the next level with a new um, vision of what this is going to be. And when you work in an environment like Undermountain with so much strange magic, you can make each level so completely different Mm -hmm. it's actually the perfect kind of situation to have a bunch of different writers working on things because it doesn't really feel weird when things shift Mm -hmm. and there are so many portals into and out of undermountain that you could get your characters up through level 10 and then decide well you know what i don't care about the rest of this but i've got this other cool thing on it over here so they go through a step through a doorway and boom they're somewhere else Mm -hmm. And then you can continue from there, or you can follow the thread of this adventure all the way through uh, to level 20, which is the first time we've seen in fifth edition, a public published wizards product go up to level 20. So I am exceptionally excited for this product. And really Sean, as, as the first part book that we talked about is like right up my alley for everything that I love. It sounds like this book might be right up the alley for everything that you love. Well, under mountain is definitely my favorite dungeon uh, out there simply because of what we've been talking about. It's so expansive and you can put so much into it. Mm-hmm. Um, the story of Halister Black Cloak in Forgotten Realms lore is one of my favorite stories because he is so mysterious and he's not your typical mad wizard, um, except he can be if you want. But, you know, his madness in itself is a long saga. And what he is doing in Undermountain is its own grand plot. You know, is he a victim or is he the villain? Um, is he being manipulated by another force or is he the force that's manipulating everyone? You know, all of these aspects of a great grand plot can go into Halister's story and unfold over time. You know, you think of great stories, whether they're in novels or like on TV, like you think of the book, you think of the show Lost, right? You're never quite sure 
what's going on from, from one minute to the next or one season to the next. That can be replayed here in Undermountain in a grand way by having the next level give you more of the overall plot of what's happening in Undermountain and what's happening with Halister. I agree with everything you, that you said. I, I love Halister Black Cloak too. I like that they're doing this mega dungeon because it's a mega dungeon and it's not like spread out like out of the abyss was, right? And like that was all mm-hmm. over the place. Right. Um, I think dungeons like this are amazing places to tell stories. I mean, I have my own that I've been using for a very long time called the Airy Peaks. So I mean, it was the, it, honestly, I did it because I did the Airy Peaks because I was angry because I didn't feel like a lot of mega dungeons did a good job of telling like stories, right? Like, mm-hmm. and this story sounds like it's all about like how these different factions within the dungeon are going to be interacting with each other and what Halister Black Cloak is up to, like what is going on. And that seems to be the big giant mystery at the bottom of all of this. And that's where yep. all the pieces and the, the ex- exploration will go to. And um, they, they mentioned on the stream, which I'm very happy about is that how to get your story out of your dungeon is like, you don't just have constantly uh, things to like, constantly having obstacles to overcome there are plenty of things in there to interact with Mm -hmm. things that want things in there that want stuff that have their own motivations and agendas that are also you know trying to accomplish things and i imagine a good chunk of that will be tied into whatever halister is up to so that's very exciting to me um that is a that is a perfect setting and situation for a story to evolve through play and since D&D has been so good about making things like that these days, I can't wait to see how they do in this more confined space instead of doing these like all over the place uh, mm-hmm. kind of stories. Right. And from what they said at the stream, it's not it doesn't fill up every part of Undermountain either. You know, what is the maps for Undermountain on all the levels are so huge that you would have to make you know, 15 products to try to populate the entire thing with something in every room. So there is room for you to go off the map and create your own stories, your own mini dungeons, you know, your own thing. If you want to stray from what's actually in the published book and there's lots of room to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, they also have Skullport in there. Uh, they also mentioned like how, like, I'm pretty sure Dragon Heist and, and this book, uh, the Dungeon of the Mad Mage will have a lot to do with the Xanathar because they talked about how they, they tried very hard to tether their books into their adventures and their adventures into their other, into their supplements. Like everything is kind of like tied, especially stuff that releases right around each other. So that's mm-hmm. also very exciting to me to see how they, how they do that. I mean, yep. I mean, Volo is the person that starts this whole thing off. He is the hook. So, I mean, that, that ties you right into Volo's Guide to Everything. Um, yep. I'm curious as to see where the tethers are to uh, Mordenkind's Tome of Foes. Probably monsters and things like that. But you never know. There might be actually something else in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, apparently, there is a Spelljammer helm somewhere in the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, <laughs> which I love me some Spelljammer. So, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, talk about throwing some throwing some chum to the sharks who want you know, a planescape uh setting to be released there there you go oh right uh, or, or a spell jammer sorry spell jammer well, well spell jammer or planescape i mean you could see a spell jammer in planescape i think that's a thing that could happen right i imagine it has to happen at some point yeah exactly 
Uh, let's talk about a couple, a couple other products. Those are the two big things that they announced. There, there are some other things that have come out around there. Uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist Dice. Uh, this is interesting because there, this, this dice set includes two D20s and a hit point tracker. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the hit point tracker looks a lot like the, um, magic hit point, the, the magic hit point trackers. I, from what it looked like to me, I was a little sad about it because it's only got two numbers on it. Mm-hmm. So it only goes up to 99. Like, what if I have over 100 hit points? There you go. I mean, I'll well, just pre- pretend there's a one there. Yeah, I suppose it'll work. That, that's fine. I'm, I'm just nitpicking now, right? <laughs> no, but it was, that was one of the parts where I did see, uh, Nathan from, from Wizards, uh, talking about, you know, learning lessons from previous releases. And, you know, that's, I think that's a big thing that they really are trying to give the players what they want. Um, so rather than just having one D20, if you're a new player and you buy, buy a set of dice and your DM is always telling you roll with advantage or roll with disadvantage and you only have one D20, you have to roll it twice. And it's not a, obviously not a huge deal, but it's cool to roll those two dice together. So they're, they're, you know, giving you that. And I think Nathan said he, the only time he react or he went in onto his character sheet was to, erase hit points or to add hit points and he was actually wearing a a hole through his character sheet because he was always erasing in just that one place so having this little tracker here is something you can set off to the side pick it up only when you need it and it is one more thing that you don't have to deal with on your character sheet Mm -hmm. so i think it's great that they are listening and evolving in terms of their offerings based on player feedback i agree um yeah, I get nothing to add to that, so I suppose I should move on to the next thing, which is a Waterdeep Dungeon of the Mad Mage map pack. I think Gale Force 9 is putting this out, or maybe it's just Wizards of the Coast. Maybe Gale Force 9 is, is creating this for them. Um, there's not a lot of detail of what maps are going to be there in, in there, obviously, because, you know, they can't show off the maps yet. But, you know, if you want maps and pretty things for your, uh, for your game, like, this is a great product to pick up. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, I'm just going to get the Roll20 thing when it comes out on Roll20, probably, so there you go. Uh, other things. So Beetle and Grimm's box of adventure. So this is a box that's going to have all kinds of like handouts and, and stuff inside of it, um, that you can use to run this game. And it's not super cheap, right? Like, and the boxes are only for pre-order, but it's going to have tons and tons of bits and bobs and whatnot for your games, right? Um, it's 450 bucks. It's stupidly expensive, but you get battle maps for key encounters using grids, uh, for use with miniatures. You get encounter cards that fit over the DM screen. They like have encounter artwork and things like that on them. They're going to have, uh, minis. There's going to be 20 key figures that can be, uh, you know, minis for your, for your, for your game. There's going to be uh, beautiful artwork that you can use to, to show off to the players. And there's going to be a bunch of, uh, player handouts like maps and letters or diary pages and things like that. So, all of that stuff will come in this box. Yeah, it's stupidly expensive, but like if you were into the bits and the bobs and like having really pretty handouts and whatnot for your game that are very authentic feeling, then this is the product for you. It's funny there. If you get a chance, go watch their advertisement for what they're doing because it uses uh, Teos Abadia's Cloud Giants Bargain uh, module as its as their preview. So it shows things that they would make if they were doing that. And Teos had no idea this was going to happen. So he watched the ad. He's like, Hey, that's my adventure. Hey, they made actual stuff for my adventure. So he's like, 
could I get that? And I don't think that they have plans to release that specific box for his adventure because that was the one that was given away at the Fathom event from the uh, Acquisitions Incorporated stream a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But it was just that's just one of those situations where you write something and you don't realize that oh my gosh they're using that. His reaction was pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Um, all right. Another thing. So the Neverwinter MMO, because we talk about all things D&D around these parts. Apparently, they're going to Ravenloft. There's going to be a mission in the Neverwinter MMO where you uh, can run into the Visanti, and the Visanti will then give you the ability to go to Ravenloft, where then you can deal with Strahd. So if you're into playing MMOs and video games, and you are playing Neverwinter, you get to go deal with Strahd now in, you know, one of the most amazing horror settings that ever existed for any role-playing game. Uh, as far as new stuff, I suppose that's the last thing that I have. Uh, I guess, I guess there's one more thing. Uh, on, on EN World, there was a, a report that there are going to be two new settings coming out this year. Yeah. Uh, so Morris on EN World said that comicbook.com interviewed Nathan Stewart, uh, the brand manager for Wizards of the Coast. And he said that in addition to all of the stuff that we've just been talking about, before the end of the year, they were going to open up two more D&D settings in some way. So these are probably not going to be hardcover books, although they might be. We just don't know. Uh, he said it's going to be more like the level of how Barovia is in terms of stuff in, in the Curse of Strahd adventure. So it's going to be more than just a taste, but they're not going to do a full release of the setting yet. So, you know, that's very interesting in the terms of what exactly are they going to release then? Um, you know, is it going to be something very small on, on, uh, Unearthed Arcana that everyone can just get and download? Or is it going to be something that's up on the DMs Guild that's a little meatier? It's, it's hard to say based on what they've, um, what they've released in terms of information. But for people who have been waiting for settings, this is the news you've been waiting for. They are going to start doing this in at least a limited form. That's very exciting to me. I, I man, I want I want Spelljammer or Eberron or something. Please <laughs> give me give me one of those two. I'll take one of those two. I really want updated Spelljammer because I want them to do a better Spelljammer because Spelljammer is weird and they could fix it, and make it better. And it's it's even more interesting is they never really said that it's going to be a setting that's already established. So for all we know, they could create a completely brand new setting and release that in some way. We just have no idea. You know, Mike Merles has been talking about working on psionics and that makes people say, Ooh, you know, it's going to be dark sun, but then, you know, there's this spell jamming, uh, helm spell jammer helm that, uh, Chris Perkins talked about being in the Dungeon of the Mad Mage. So that makes people say, oh, it's definitely got to be Spelljammer then. And there's so much being worked on right now that people are just finding the most ridiculous connections in the smallest clues. <laughs> but, you know, this, this, this hope that, oh, it's going to be this, the uh, setting that I love. So this has got to be why. Well, they, they've said before that one, books are tethered to other products that come out, right? So like, Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Mordenkind's Sum of Foes. Like, that's very planner, right? So, like, spell, Spelljammer or Planescape is, is very much a likely candidate for something like that. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I don't know. That's, it's interesting, right? I, I can't wait to see what, what the next thing is. I hope it's, I hope we find out sooner rather than later. Yep. Well, they they will be doing, um, seminars at Origins and they may, you know, say something then or they may wait and just do another kind of stream of some sort, not the big stream of many eyes, but, you know, even just during one of their normal dragon talk shows or, uh, Mike Merle's fireside chat kind of shows or Nathan Stewart's fireside chat show. Uh, they could just announce it there. It's not called the fireside chat anymore. It's Nathan and Kate, whatever at this point, extra right. like news extravaganza. And Mike Merle's is the Mike Merle's uh, happy fun hour. So That's there's it. that. Yep. <laughs> Uh, their, their streaming lineup is actually really solid. Like, if you like D&D, there's plenty of D&D and not just games to watch, but like information too. Like, the Mike Merle stuff is fascinating because it's all design work, right? Like, con- right. design concepting. And then, um, every other Tuesday, I think, that's when, um, uh, Jeremy Crawford shows up and he, uh, talks about how you take that, that concepting and turn it into actual, uh, material for people to use. Yeah. And, you know, for, Game designers for what, what Chris and I and many others we know and talk to do, you know, that's the most fascinating part because it's what we're doing in our own ways, not necessarily on the level of Wizards of the Coast, but, you know, just with our own projects coming up with the idea, then, then, uh, getting specific rules put into place based on those ideas and going through the development and editing process for those. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is super fascinating. Very fascinating. Yes. Um, All right. Well, with that, I think we're good for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I'm going to do a few Patreon shoutouts before we get out of here. Uh, The Closet Gamer, Jay Kemlingberg, Troy Pitchelman, Wayne Peterson, Jason Petray, Donahue McCarthy, Danny Silva, Nate Brooms, Evil Rich, 40 Below, James Intercasso, who, you know, thank you for being a patron, James, John, uh, just John, Gene Lorber, Steve Bissonnette, Mike Amir, Space Rhino, Ryan Bolter, Michael Schmitz, Jonathan Lavalier, and Chelsea Clark. And speaking of patrons, if you'd like to be a patron of Down With D&D, you can click on the link to our Patreon page on the website, and for $2 a month, you can get yourself a shout-out. Or for $4 a month, you not only get a shout-out, but you also get to see our pre-production show notes. If you can't help us monetarily, but you want to give us a boost, you can do so with an Apple Podcast review. Those help, even if you're not listening on Apple Podcasts, because many podcatchers use that to rate and rank their shows. And we always love... A great review. We absolutely do. Uh, Sean, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin. You can also find me on the Down with D&D G Plus community. And for one weekend only, you can find me at Origins. So mm-hmm. just if you're going to be at Origins, check out the D&D room and stop by and say hi. You know, we'll sit down, have a chat, grab a drink, whatever. How about you, Chris? Where can we find you? Uh, you can hit me up at Misdirected Mark. That is the network. Twitter. Uh, we also, you know, we put a lot of stuff out on there. Uh, you can also just go to the website where you can catch other great shows such as this one. The Wednesday Evening Podcast All-Stars. Brett, Tom, Kevin, Chris, and Emily get together and play games that get edited down into an audio drama for your ears. Join this crew of All-Star players as they create stories from the games you love. Down with D&D is a misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. So what are we going to do now, Sean? Go kill some monsters. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know me.